Amen. Well, let's continue singing. What's the next? So um, if you want to turn to page 530, we're going to sing it as well. And while you're doing that, um, this Thursday, we did meet as an ESL class here. And, um, you know, a lot of my Japanese students can't go home. They, they're afraid to go home because then they won't be able to get back into the States if they, like, go home over spring break. So they cancel their trips and a wedding and um, all kinds of stuff. So we were talking about how when Jesus says, my peace I give you not as the world gives. And we were talking about the difference between the peace of the world and the peace of Jesus. And it, it, it gave me pause to think, how do you define those two? You know, and how the peace of the world is usually based on circumstances and the peace of Jesus is based on him. So we can say it is well with my soul no matter what. So it's kind of what I was thinking of is when, we, when I picked this one. So let's stand and uh, sing all three verses of it as well. like a river attendeth my
let's sing that one more time. It is well, it is well, my soul with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. You can turn to page 483. Verse 1. Now's the time in our service when I invite you to send handshake emojis <coughs> to each other, virtual handshakes and whatnot. Um, we're not doing our traditional offering, as you may have gotten. There is an offering plate in the back if you'd like to continue contributing. We do have access online to giving. If you're getting our updates, then you know uh, how, how to make that happen uh, for sure. So hopefully that's not too much of a barrier for you. 
We are in the middle of our Faith Promise Month, and uh, you know God is calling us obviously to, to deeper faith. This time, uh, it's it's challenging. I know there's a financial reality that we're just beginning to understand as well. So so giving against that is uh, maybe maybe more challenging, but still an act of, of faith. And then we've got Faith Promise as well. Ben, do you want to say something about this? Because we had all these plans and they've all been waylaid. But whatever you want to say about that. I did have some slides, but they have disappeared. So uh, I just want to provide an update so far. So we're in the middle of our pledge drive. Uh, this is the third week of four. So next week is the last. Um, I, I'd encourage you if you're if you want to do this, and uh, then now's the time or next week. So um, so far we have eight pledges, which is I think phenomenal. Uh, this is an increase from last year, and so thank you for those of you who are getting involved. Our goal is 14, so we're hoping to get uh, just six more uh, pledges of whatever amount. Um, just to meet our goal. And we're about halfway financially to what our goal is. So uh, thank you again for those of you who are getting involved. I do want to uh, remind you that 100% of the funds are given to the missionaries that we support overseas. Um, none of it stays with Redeemer. Uh, so, um, And one interesting fact, actually, that I kind of studied a little bit this week is um, the buying power that one U.S. dollar has uh, you know, in the countries where our missionaries are. So, you know, um, we support a variety of missionaries in a variety of countries and there's discrepancies between monies and I think it's interesting that one US dollar has much more buying power in other countries than it does in the US. So um, on average that multiplication factor is about two times, actually it's 2.18 uh, times uh, and uh, I think that's pretty cool. So you know if you were to go to the store and spend uh, one US dollar and buy say 10 bananas if you can find them at the store uh, <laughs> That would buy about 20 bananas on average, you know, in any of the countries that our missionaries are at. So there's a multiplication factor there in terms of the investment of the monies. And then there's also the fact that it's going to the advancement of God's kingdom. I think that's awesome. So uh, I'd encourage you to be praying about it. Pray for a number that you can uh, look for in faith. And then uh, make your pledges either this week or next. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. It's great having an engineer in charge of all this stuff. Very precise and actually very compelling too. And I know, in, in, like you said, in some countries that even goes, that goes more. So that's just an average. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Are there any other, any other things like just general announcements I've missed that somebody told me they wanted me to say and I've forgotten about? Okay. It's all clean. It's all good. Uh, okay, so here's what we're going to do the rest of, of the time together. I'm going to speak now from, a, from Psalm 46, if you want to turn there. And we're going to follow the message, which I suspect will be a bit briefer, hopefully right on point with what we're facing by a time of prayer. And I'll, I'll guide us through that when we get there. So in a sense, this this exploration of this psalm is to remind us uh, during this time of who, who God is, but to frame the time of prayer that we'll have, and then we'll close with the doxology. That's where we're headed. And lo I love having children here. It's fine. Don't worry about it. As I've said before, if you're a parent, you're probably more aware than anybody else of what's happening, and we understand the circumstances. So, But that mother's room is available. Let's take a look then at Psalm 46 together today. 
You can find that in your, in your Bibles. Um, Psalms right in the middle. I'm going to read this entire psalm and then just give some reflections on it for us uh, today. Psalm 46, which is a, a psalm written by the sons of, or of the sons of Korah, says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of God. Well, obviously, we're in the middle of a, a pandemic, and that is something new, probably, for, for most of us to experience, and it elicits a lot of unknowns, and with that comes the fear of what could be. This psalm reminds us that even when that chaos is breaking around us, we can find peace and, uh, and not fear, because we know who God is. Now, we've been doing a series on the seven deadly sins. We, we just finished that a couple of weeks ago. And one of the links that I sent out, uh, that we sent out on Saturday, uh, was kind of a, a graph of sort of what has happened historically with pandemics. There's this phase where people are unaware that it's happening, but there's a discovery and a process of getting more information. And then as that information is gathered and you start gaining some, uh, some knowledge of what's happening uh, and people start showing symptoms of it, uh, there's kind of a lag behind the process of preventing uh, the spread of it. So of course then we're in that phase where there's kind of community spread and there's an acceleration. So there's this bit of a bell curve and we're on the upper part of that curve with, with acceleration and, and realize that it has some, some effects. But we don't know the full effects yet of what that is. There's projections. We, we know that things are, are bad. We see it across the street at Walmart. Uh, I've seen the pictures of the empty shelves and maybe you've experienced that as well. And, and it just occurs to me looking back on the seven deadly sins that as we were exploring those, there's something very similar. When we have the physical world speak to us about spiritual realities and now it seems more forceful than ever, it can be a helpful way for us to consider how that relates to our own lives. And here's what I mean by that. When we looked at the seven deadly sins, we said there are people who've taken a look years ago about the sins of the heart, the ones that kind of revisit us over and over again. And they have said, warning, warning, warning. If you go down this path, if you don't take steps, the necessary steps to ensure that there's not all kinds of fallout, this is what's going to happen. 
But most of us probably say that's not going to happen to me, or it's overblown, or it's not that big of a deal, where all the warnings have existed already. So there is, with the seven deadly sins, basically a spiritual pandemic that people in the past have said, this is what will happen. And it's very similar in my mind as well to what's happening for most of us, although maybe we've felt, felt it at work, or we're, we're quarantining, the church looks different. But for most of us, it's kind of this, it's different, isn't it, than if a tornado were to ravage Mason, Ohio, and you drive around and you see that there's only foundations. And right now, it's sort of a, feels a little fabricated in a sense of like, it's out there, but we can't see it. And we can't measure it. Isn't sin very similar to that too? So that's just a reflection, maybe the final wrap-up on the seven deadly sins. As you go back, I was just, it was just occurring to me that that is exactly what the biblical writers are saying. You've got to take this seriously and build preventative measures in place to flatten the curve of sin. But of course, that was then, this is now. And that's not just a spiritual thing, it's a physical reality that we're facing. In Psalm 46, we see a little bit about what it's like when the world is out of control. If you were to look at these verses and I ask the question, what are the, what are the places here where you see things are completely out of control? It feels like nothing is predictable. Um, what does verse 2 say? Yeah, the earth gives way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, the waters roar and foam, and mountains quake with their surging. That is a little out of control. When uh, we were looking at this, again, with the, the Japanese, it's mostly Japanese, and Korean and Chinese as well, students, I said, you know, it's not very hard um, for you to imagine what that's like, because there was a tsunami just a few years ago, and most of them know people or were personally uh, affected by that. The mountains fall into the heart of the sea. The waters roar and foam. The they quake with their surging. It's like the, the picture here is even of an earthquake. Have any of you been in an earthquake before? Is it an unsettling experience to you? You're completely out of control. If you've ever been in a, in a place where a tornado has hit or some sort of natural disaster, well beyond the capacity of your control. That's a terrifying experience. Shortly after I became a believer, some of you have even heard this story, you know, we went on a great spring trip with the youth group, and unfortunately, within the Mediterranean Sea, is one of the worst storms they've had in a long time, and it was so fun when we hit those 20-foot waves at the beginning. And then people started getting sick, like, Lots of people started getting sick. And two windows broke and an engine got uh, lost and shut down in the boat that we were on. And we were all just, you know, 16, 17-year-old kids. That time of life when you feel like, nothing can destroy me! Because you haven't had enough experience to realize that's completely naive. And most of us thought we were going to die on, on that. Uh, a trip that takes an hour and a half took nine hours. The, the boat behind us took 14 hours. Afterwards, people uh, going around the rocks the day after, some, a couple girls were, were swept into the water and they were cut all over by the coral. 
uh, floating in a place where we thought they were going to die. It was, it was terrible. That has a tendency to remind you how frail you are and how little control you have. 9-11, same thing. When you don't have control, it reminds you how mortal you are. These events remind us that we have a beginning and an end time, a birth date and a, a time when we will not be here any longer. It's just put more front in front of our face. We have to face that reality. It's not the only instance here where we see that life is out of control. If you look down a little bit too, in, a, in verse 6, nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. Nations are in an uproar. Things are out of control. You know, the world is affected. Governments feel unstable. The people who feel like they should be in control and able to change things, let's address, adjust interest rates to, to balance things out. And though it may help, really, the nations are in an uproar right now. This was written thousands of years ago. And we don't even know what's to come in the days ahead. Just, just now, this, this is true. Would you say that this gives a decent picture of some of what we're experiencing right now? All of the unknowns, everything shaken. Now, Psalm 46 doesn't just give a picture of things that are out of control, but it reminds us who God is even when the world is out of control around us. That's right at the beginning. God is our refuge and strength in verse 1 and ever-present help in trouble. It's pretty interesting imagery. God is a, a refuge. And you know what a, a refuge is. It's a place you go to find safety. If there were a tornado siren to go off right now, now every, I think, first Wednesday at noon, you hear that go off. They're just testing to make sure that it works. But if that happens uh, Thursday morning at 8, usually you think, uh-oh, there's a problem. And typically, if you have a basement, you'll run down to the basement, you'll get to the lowest point, you'll try to find you know, maybe in a door frame or something. You're seeking a place of refuge. And that's, that's, that's okay, but you saw the pictures of Tennessee where things are down to the foundation just a few weeks ago. So even better to get underground, a bunker where you cannot be reached. You're safe. The imagery here of God is that kind of refuge. He is a place you go. When the world is in chaos, where do you go? What do you do with that? For this psalmist, the invitation is to see God as a refuge, you have to go somewhere where you're, when you're in trouble and when things are out of control. You have to do something with it. The invitation here is to go to God who is a refuge. And not just a place of safety, but a place of strength. When you're weak, when you're fearful, you need to find and attach yourself to something that has got strength. I mean, this is for kids, you know, in an un, uh, unpredictable circumstance. It's nice to have a father or a mother. This is why you run into your parents' room during a storm until you're a certain age for most of us. But that can continue. Who knows? But you're scared. You feel weak. So you go to a place where you feel safe. 
Somebody who has strength. Mom and dad aren't scared. And that access to God, who is a refuge in the strength, is always available. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. You have trouble? He's always there. It's not as if we have to you know, try to get five miles against traffic when there's no gas available to get to the refuge and strength. He's present always. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter where. This psalmist is assuring us of God's character. A refuge, a strength, and ever-present help in time of trouble. And this image of a storm and something being out of control is contrasted in verse 4 with a river whose streams make glad the city of God, something placid. This picture of Jerusalem, which is used as an image of God's people, certainly the, the new Jerusalem even coming from heaven, sort of where we're headed, but a physical picture of that is God's people gathered together in God's city. That's like a river while there's a storm going on, a place of peace. And this God is in the middle of her. He's here. The Lord Almighty in verse 7 is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That refrain is repeated in verse 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is an ever-present help. He is with his people. That promise of God being with us is all throughout Scripture. It's the one that Jesus tells his disciples, even as he's leaving. Surely I'm with you, even to the end of the age. It's that picture in Revelation, too, of God's presence being with his people in the new Jerusalem. This is all pictured back here in Psalm 46, not as some sort of theoretical dream world, but a reality in the midst of chaos. So what's our response? I am, always have been very practical when it comes to this whole thing of following God. If it makes no difference, I don't understand why we're here this morning or why anybody gives their, their soul and heart to this. So one of the questions we have an opportunity to ask, not just today, but in the days ahead, is what difference does it make for us to believe in what has been written here and so many other things. And if it doesn't make a difference, we have to do some soul searching. It does need to make a difference. It must make a difference. What difference does it make? Well, there's, there's, a, there's something right here that for these, this songwriter here says, here's our response. Here's the difference that it makes in verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though all these things are chaotic around us, we know who God is, and therefore because of that, we're not going to fear. We have an opportunity to grow in that reality of understanding, even more so when things are chaotic, there's a difference that God makes. We can step into that reality, begin to unpack it a little bit more, and find a pathway out of fear. There's a missionary in China. Uh, now I just get his updates from time to time. He reflects not on Psalm 46, but just on things that are happening around his world now. Think of all the things that you are now called to live without, like toilet paper, perhaps for some of us. And now thank God that your life doesn't consist 
of any one of them. What I see around me is people pressing the pause button and freezing everything in suspended animation until normal life resumes. resumes. At such a defining time of life as this, how you choose to live your life and how you choose to respond to the crisis will show whether you are motivated by faith or paralyzed by fear. If what might be overshadows what is now, then you have allowed fear of the virus rather than faith in the Savior to obscure what is most important and to mar what really matters most. God is shaking us. He's, he's disciplining us. What matters most? What is it that we are fearing? Why are we fearing that? How does it look for us to practice faith? There's no, there's no definite answers at the moment because we don't know what's going to happen, but there are certainly some. Part of it's reminding, I, I think in the days ahead, even if more things become uncertain, my, my own admonition to you um, as we consider how we might uh, move forward is to live in the Psalms. I think it's a great place to be right now, to remember that we're, we're not alone. This is, this is not entirely new, but God's character is fixed. We, we have the raw emotions in the Psalms and the, and the sure reminders of God's faithfulness. I'm not entirely sure what it will look like, practically speaking, to serve and to love each other through this. We did start this, this group chat, um, this Discover Bulletin board of sorts. There may be some of us who need childcare in the days ahead to, to make things happen. That could be a very practical way to come alongside each other. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to see, but let's start with that God is our refuge and our strength. And we're not going to fear, and we're going to sort through and sift through this in a way that's different. The Heidelberg Catechism, some of you may be familiar with this, written in the 1500s. The very first question asks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? What is your only comfort in life and in death? Some of you know the answer, but here it is, that I am not my own but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. That's a reminder we need, to, we need to rest in. This is part of what believers over the centuries have said. How do we apply the reality of something like Psalm 46? It's by remembering this. He watches over me in such a way not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That's our call. I've seen this C.S. Lewis quote floating around quite a bit, and it's, it's a little different contextually, but it's still uh, compelling nonetheless. I think I've heard, seen, read this about five times since Tuesday, so I figured maybe I should share it with others. And of course, he was uh, writing this in World War II when the threat of an atomic bomb was present. The first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. 
praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint, and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. Now, obviously, the atomic bomb is a physical thing, and the virus is something very, very different that can be spread, and we need to listen to, to the medical advice that's being given. We're, we need to do our due diligence. But as citizens of heaven, in the spiritual realm, our response is going to be different. And it might, even in prayer, it might mean putting ourselves in a position where we are willing to sacrifice ourselves for the greater good of those who are around us. And I don't know what that looks like, but we must be different. So, here it says, with all this happening, we will not fear. And more than that, in verse 10, our response is to be still and remember and know that he is God. Alec Mocher, who's an Old Testament scholar, a great Hebrew scholar, in his translation says, relax and know that I am God. That's how he translated. He's not Eugene Peterson, the message. This is a guy who's very uh, particular about Hebrew, and he, he thinks that it's communicating relax, like the teenagers would say, chillax, right? Take a chill pill or something like that. Just dial it down a few notches. You're getting ratcheted up. You have to know that I'm God. I've got this. I'm in control, even in the midst of chaos. Take a deep breath. And if you need to do that from the diaphragm instead of the chest, that's fine and probably good. <sighs> Relax. Know that I am God in the midst of wars and chaos. I am above all things. We're, we just started Colossians, and the message is so clear, even in our scripture memory. He is before all things in him, all things to hold together. He is supreme, Christ above all else. And that applies even more in a time like this. He's above everything. He always has been. He always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the midst of it all, he is a refuge and a strength, an ever-present help in trouble. So be still and know that I am God. You might remember this story in the book of Mark. It's in Mark chapter 4. When Jesus is really just starting his public ministry and with his disciples in, in verse 33 or 35 in Mark chapter 4. Just a few verses here. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, this is an interesting story for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is these are, these are fishermen, so this is a pretty serious storm. If they think, and I know what that's like. I remember thinking, we're going to die. I wasn't a seasoned uh, fisherman at all. But I know what it's like to have that sense of this is, this is a point of desperation. And Jesus, by contrast, it doesn't seem concerned in the least. 
He's in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. This is not a sort of mattress. This is a rough boat in the middle of a storm. How can Jesus be at rest? It feels like Psalm 46 leaped out, just being lived out. There's a storm, there's chaos all around. And there's no fear in Jesus. He's still literally sleeping. And the disciples wake him. And there's a point of crisis, and there's freedom here to say, Don't you care, God? We're, we're scared here. Don't you care? And Jesus gets up in verse 39. He rebukes the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? What difference does it make? Is kind of what he's saying to them. Why are you so afraid? Faith makes a difference. Jesus is right there in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the storm with them. And it's a little chilling in some respects because it's very fit, similar words to Psalm 46. Be still in the midst of all the chaos and know that I am God. And what's interesting is at that moment, the disciples probably should have breathed the collective sigh and said, oh, whew, everything is calm now. It's okay. But their response in verse 41 is telling. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Because they're beginning to realize God is in the boat with them. <laughs> who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This Jesus who therewith has control over nature. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just say, virus, be gone. And it's gone. If I did that this morning and there was proof of it, you'd be, well, you'd be grateful, but you'd also be kind of terrified of me. What else can this guy do? And Jesus right here, evoking the image of Psalm 46, even with his people who are his disciples and probably as we go along the way should know that Jesus right there in the flesh with them, we have no fear, are still struggling with it. So if you are fearful, it doesn't mean you're not a believer. It just means the invitation is to go to God with it and realize he's in the boat with you right now. No matter what happens, you have a place to go. And that's what we need to do. And as you step into that reality, it could be that God's be, God begins to melt away the fear from your heart and remind you, give you this perspective that's bigger than what we currently have. Christ is above all else. In him, all things hold together. What's that children's song? He's got the whole world in his hands. Doesn't that sound it's so fun to sing? There is a reality behind that that we can apply today. And especially in the days going ahead with all that's unknown in front of us. Well, I invite you then to continue reflecting on the Psalms. And I want us to pray. We're going to have a time of prayer now. And there are some, some uh, and I, first I want to have a little bit of time of sharing to frame the time of prayer. And in particular, I'd like to hear from you things we can be praying about. Some of you are affected in different ways or have family affected in different ways by this. Maybe uh, it could be educational concerns, financial concerns, health concerns, whatever the case may be. So I want us to consider together, um, what should we be praying about?
specifically, are there issues in, in your family or your sphere of influence that we have a concern that we need to be praying about? Um, one, one that I have is to just the, uh, make sure that we're lifting up the elderly and those with the compromised immune systems. Um, like, you know, even Pam and Tony, right? I've been on the phone with them. How are you all doing? What's going on? They're, they're, doing, they're stressed because they're in the middle of a move. <laughs> and Pam's knee was injured and it's hampered things, but that puts more effort on Tony. And so that's just one concern. But I'm curious too, even for you, whether in your work realm or whatever the case may be, even if it's specific names that we can lift up and you can do that too. And I'm not looking for like 15 minutes of sharing, just some, some couching of how we can pray, and then we're going to have a time of, of uh, corporate prayer lifting these things up. So what are, what are some thoughts you have to frame our prayers? Okay, parents with extended spring break and kids, what in particular is your concern there? So like even wisdom for educators is, is, a, is a great prayer concern. And of course the parents who make adjustments to an unforeseen reality of kids being at home. I think for most of our kids right now, this is, they only see the upsides of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, Shane? Okay, thanks Shane. Jill, you were saying something, no? Yeah, Diane. For those of us that work in healthcare. Healthcare industry. Uh, Kevin works in a nursing home. Okay, Kevin's at a nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, Lindsay. Jay, how's the airline industry being affected by this? Barry Shutter is with us here. Barry's actually a missionary with Surge in London and has been for, I mean, almost 20 years or so now, too, working among the Muslim Sikh Hindu population, where I first kind of got my eyes opened up to how God was shifting our demographics. As I was over with uh, with them, I've 
probably told some stories about being on the streets of London. That all came from working with Barry, and he happens to be back here. His sister lives in the area and is worshiping with us. But, you know, he's, his family, your family is, are they, they're not here, are they? They're back in the United Kingdom. So, anything you want to share at all? Yeah, that's great insight. Thank you. Yeah. everystudent.com Do you like do you like puppies? Anybody else? Echo stress. Okay. Echo stress. Is there anybody here who has childcare concerns? I don't know if most people working moms are working remotely. If I, I want to I wanna make sure we use that Redeemer. If you don't have that bulletin, I tried to send it out to as many people as possible. I don't think I sent it to you all because I didn't have on hand whatever. Um, but I think there's a link that we sent out. If you, if you, the design of that was before even this, just to make aware of needs, maybe, like physical needs, um, that like just practical needs. Like I need a truck 
<laughs> type thing, but also opportunities. Like, hey, does anybody want to go see a movie or play tennis or something? So it's just a bulletin board of sorts. I think that would be a valuable resource for us in the days ahead. Okay, we need some help with childcare or something. Well, let's, uh, let's pray then. And again, just I would say, you know, briefer to the point prayers that are lifting up these concerns and other things that arise in your heart all open and close us uh, with this time of prayer. Father God, hear the prayers of your people now as we have concerns and um, I mean some of these have been voiced and will be again too. I do pray for the elderly and those who are clearly at risk uh, those with uh, suppressed immune systems, even my father, um, that during this time, for those who have a faith in you, it would be fortified and strengthened. And for those that don't, to uh, Pete's point, that you'd use this opportunity for them to ask some hard questions about their, uh, their status with you, about what happens next. Would, uh, would you be glorified, protect uh, Tony and, and Pam as they have particular stress during this time as well and keep them healthy that's, uh, that's my prayer for them Father, I pray for wisdom in policy making, um, and uh, wisdom is a category we could drop on a lot of areas, but even as my brother Barry has shared, the, uh, needing some sort of wisdom for what, what do we do, and others like him, who are separated from family, do we, do we go back, do we bring them here, and um, man, as he has conversations with other people, but even as time passes, I pray for clarity, they will become obvious what it is that he is supposed to do as he dialogues with others and as he uh, even calls out to you and says, Lord, give me, give me wisdom for what to do. I pray that you make it clear. Lord, I pray for the Locke family and Michelle is, is sick again with the flu and pneumonia and they've had just a very difficult spring and um, Father, I pray that you would give Albert as the caretaker of Michelle now strength and the kids um, strength and uh, the ability to just kind of entertain. 
plant themselves, Lord, it's, it's, it's been hard and they're not going to have school. So, Lord, I pray that you would um, protect them from the evil one, Lord Jesus, and heal her body quickly, Father. Um, and I do pray for that protection on uh, those who are expecting. Father, you um, you bring life. <laughs> you, you know our, our birth date and our end date, Lord, and it's no surprise that you're bringing babies into the world during this time, Father. And, we just pray your protection upon those moms and um, the people, the miles know, their family members. Um, and uh, again, I pray that as they feel fear rise in them, that they would learn to use the refuge, Father. Father, we pray for shame that you would open the way for fear communication with his relatives and
And Lord, I pray for educators who are trying to make some changes in plans. I mean, everybody, all, so many industries affected by this, uh, certainly the travel industry and a lot of people who are fearful of not only loss of income, but just not knowing how to make those swift judge, uh, adjustments. This happens so quickly. And so our, our prayer, again, collectively is, is for wisdom, for wisdom not only for what to, to do next, but how to think about these things. We pray that our wisdom would come from you. You're the giver of wisdom. You're the source of wisdom. So we want to continue looking to you where our help comes from you because you made heaven and earth. You know everything. You made us. You knit us together in our mother's womb. And you uh, make war cease and you, you break, break the bow. You, you are a God who is sovereign. And that sovereignty is something we need to find rest and security in today and certainly in the days ahead. Father, we thank you that you are our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing the doxology uh, in response, and I'll, I'll give a benediction. Praise God from whom Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.